Look at this what happened. In the morning, couple of these soldiers went into the president's office and told the president, please sign the emergency order. And the president said, no, there is no reason for emergency. Everything is peaceful in Myanmar. I'm going, I've convened the parliament. And today the parliament will meet. They arrested him. They removed him. They put the military nominee vice president as acting president, Mr. Min Chow. And he then signed this order. And once he signed the order, the army said, oh, emergency has been declared. And under the emergency provision of the 2008 constitution, the army automatically take over. So this is how the army, even the promulgation of emergency is illegal. Because they kicked out the president, they took him to jail actually. And then this military nominee, an ex-soldier, who is the vice president, he was told, please sign the order. He signed it because he's the military nominee, he's an ex-soldier. And then the army take over. I need to tell your audience that I actually worked in Myanmar. Once I retired from the BBC, I worked both in Bangladesh as executive editor of BDNews24.com, which is their top news portal. And then I worked in Myanmar with Mizima News, which is an organization which was set up in India by exiled Burmese political workers who had fled into India during the military takeover in 1988. But then after limited democracy returned to Myanmar, they went back uh, and they set up shop there. And I am their Saya. Saya means teacher in Burmese. It's a Buddhist society. Teachers are held in high esteem. Uh, so so I, I, I went and worked there for two years. And I was there at the time of the Rohingya issue, the 2017 Burmese army cracked down on the Rohingyas, which has sent nearly a million Rohingyas fleeing into Bangladesh and created a huge regional crisis. As we actually speak, one Rohingya boat is waiting on the coast of Andamans. They run out of uh, fuel. They run out of, uh, they are into engine trouble. And these people are at high sea. India not, is not willing to take them. Bangladesh is not willing to take them back. Myanmar, they don't want to go anyway. So, the, But I'll come back to what I'm supposed to talk today. I'll actually tell our audience that about 15, 20 days before the coup really happened or the military takeover, I'd actually written about it. I had said an immense confrontation is building up between the NLD, which has won a huge landslide, and the military. And this could lead to some kind of a military takeover in some form. Now, the trouble is that I that some of the foreign media organizations that I still write for took my story. Nobody in India did. I offered this to Times of India, the Telegraph for whom I normally write. And they didn't even understand what I'm trying to drive at. So that's, the, that's a commentary on the level of understanding that India has about Myanmar or Burma.
you know often it's maybe confused with verma ji or i don't really know but the thing is that when the takeover happened on the 1st of february then all these guys wrote to me saying dada thoda idhar udhar karke rework karke ye story de do explain why this happened main ka yaar main 15 din pehle bol raha tha ki hone wala hai aap logo ko samajh nahi aaya but anyway um the point i'm trying to make is i'd seen this coming and i seen this coming for four reasons and i'll explain that and actually i think that my explanation was valid and is valid now what i wrote on you know the 5th or 6th of january and the 10th of january in different places like south china morning post asia times i think it's still valid the real reason for this coup is the election result why no normally in a electoral democracy you have this problem of incumbency or anti incumbency and generally it is expected he if you have spent 5 years in government 10 years in government and if you have a free and fair election you are not going to do as well as last time because people have a lot of complaints in the way you run the government now that didn't happen in myanmar uh, in 1990 when there were free and fair elections aung san suu kyi won a huge landslide and every time since then whenever nld has contested they have won a landslide which is bigger than before so in 2015 election the nld got 325 seats this time they got 396 and aung san suu kyi who i personally call auntie auntie i call her auntie because her husband was my professor at oxford michael harris who is no more i said i am from northeast i have intimate relations with the burmese pro democracy movement so i exactly know who is aung san suu kyi but anyway so i call her auntie because she has fed me burmese food much before she became a politician uh you know and of course i'm very close to sheikh hasina calls me choto bhai and all that so and i had very good relations with shushma saraj also but anyway coming back to the point so i had chat with most of our people and the two think tanks of the two parties ruling parties not ruling now in burma but nld's think tank by the institute and awami league's think tank center for research and innovation are actually conceived and set up by me because i told both sheikh hasina and aung san suu kyi at some point that modern political parties need think tanks and you know i found people to do the job and all that but aside from this personal point um i was absolutely i actually spoke to somebody very close to aung san suu kyi you know the head of the baida institute my good friend ong and i told him your landslide is going to be your problem and he said oh brother we we also think so why auntie did something very very interesting she won 396 seats out of 476 absolute majority but then she said that in the ethnic regions in those regions of myanmar which is non burmese non bamar as they say 
ethnic minorities, mostly Christian minorities like Kachins, Karens, Shans. Shans are Buddhists though. Or the Arakanis who are, you know, Rakhines. They're Buddhists. Um, these Aung San Suu Kyi's party did not win very many seats. Local regional parties, they won the seats there. It's a bit like India, you know, in the distant region, South India, Bengal, you have regional parties. In the heartland, you have BJP. So same thing there in the heartland, the Burmese heartland, the NLD swept. But they did not get enough seats in places like Kachin, Karen. Now, auntie said, we will take these people in because we want every region to be represented in a future government. We want a government of national consensus. Now, she made it look like a very magnanimous gesture, which it was. But she is a smart Burmese politician. And this she told me a while back in an interview, a formal interview, when I said, auntie, you are an icon. And she said, oh, icon sit on the wall. I am now a flesh and blood Burmese politician. I have to survive here. I have to survive here. So I have to deal with these jackboots, the military. And also, so her idea was to build up a solid majority so that she can change the constitution. And that's exactly what the military was scared of. Because you will have to understand that in Myanmar, most of the political parties are relatively new political parties because 50 years of military rule, there was very little politics. And there was only parade PT. You know, only parade PT, the gull. You understand? Yeah, it's a military ruled society. And the military had their own party. Uh, Burma Socialist Program Party and all that. So, but the Burmese army has its own institution. It's the only sort of thriving institution because it has been there a very long time. They have their own think tank. They have their own staff college, the National Defense College, where they strategize. And they exactly knew why Aung San Suu Kyi is trying to build up this grand coalition. Why? Numbers. Because if she has enough numbers, she can change the 2008 constitution, which initially she rejected. If you remember in 2010, when elections in Myanmar were held, Aung San Suu Kyi's party did not go into the election saying this 2008 election is unacceptable. Why? Because in the 2008 elections, there are a couple of provisions. Number one, the army will get three seats in the cabinet. All security-related ministries will be with serving generals, home, defense, and border affairs. So a lot of people now blame Aung San Suu Kyi, ki Rohingya ka problem, this and that. But, you know, she has very little to say because border affairs, home, and defense are with serving generals. They are sitting in the parliament in their military uniform. 25% of the seat in the parliament is reserved for the military. So you have a sea of green in the Burmese parliament. You'll never see this site in any parliament in the world. So Fauji Bata with their green uniform. And then the other provision of the Burmese constitution of 2008 is that if emergency is declared, the country will be run by the military. If emergency is declared, in the event of a national emergency, the military automatically takes over the governance of Myanmar. But there is a fourth provision. That is the real catch. 59F. 
which says that if you have, you know, if you had that provision in India, then Sonia Gandhi would never be holding a public office. This 59F says that if anybody is married to a foreigner, then Rajiv Gandhi also would not be able to have. Why? Because 59F of Burmese constitution very clearly says that if a Burmese national is married or has, you know, close family relations with a foreigner, cannot contest for important posts like president or, you know, army chief and all that. So Aung San Suu Kyi, this was specifically designed to keep Aung San Suu Kyi out of power. As they say, in, in Burmese army, they say the lady, Tukasa. So they, they want to keep Tukasa out, which means the lady out. Which is why they designed this 59F, because Aung San Suu Kyi's husband was British. And both her sons, Alexander and Krim, whom I know very well, are holding British passports. So she cannot contest as president. Now here, look at this situation. This is the time when the army thought that Aung San Suu Kyi invariably suffered from anti-incumbency. So 325 seats he got last time. This time it will be less. That didn't happen. She got 396. And then she's building up this grand coalition. These ethnic parties have 44 seats. So 44 plus 396, 440 seats out of 476. She has now the majority as she planned it out. So on 1st of February, just when the parliament was to convene, the army decided to pull the blanket from the bed, which means they said enough is enough. They went to the president. Now look at this. Why did this happen? This particular president, uh, you know, is very close to Aung San Suu Kyi. He's a loyalist. And the army has always felt that Aung San Suu Kyi has kept this man as president to keep the seat warm. Till such time, she has enough majority in the parliament to change the constitution and remove 59F. If 59F is removed, she can contest and she will be the president of the country. And Mr. Win Zhao will just walk out because he's a Aung San Suu Kyi loyalist. Now here, there is a personal angle also to, uh, to explain why did the Burmese army move this time. The present Burmese army chief, senior general Ming Ong Lai, he's already on extension. He was supposed to retire this year. In the military or in any of the security organization, ex-chief, is nothing. This man, if he goes out of power, he's going to be nothing. And why he's worried? Because during the Rohingya crisis in 2017, there has been sanctions against Ming Ong Lang and a couple of other important generals. So this man, if he's not in a formal official position, is going to be exposed to all these sanctions. In fact, if, he, if he's not a general of the Burmese army and he visits the United States, he may be even arrested you know, or some of these Western countries. So this man wanted to be president because that would give him a formal protection. And he said the army must always have a share of power. But then in Myanmar, there are two vice presidents. One is a military nominee. One is the nominee of the ruling party. Look at this, what happened. In the morning, 
couple of these soldiers went into the president's office and told the president, please sign the emergency order. And the president said, no, there is no reason for emergency. Everything is peaceful in Myanmar. I'm going, I've convened the parliament. And today the parliament will meet. They arrested him. They removed him. They put the military nominee vice president as acting president, Mr. Min Cho. And he then signed this order. And once he signed the order, the army said, oh, emergency has been declared. And under the emergency provision of the 2008 constitution, the army automatically take over. So this is how the army, even the promulgation of emergency is illegal. Because they kicked out the president, they took him to jail actually. And then this military nominee, an ex-soldier, who is the vice president, he was told, please sign the order. He signed it because he's the military nominee, he's an ex-soldier. And then the army take over. Why? Because Ming Ong Lang, the present army chief, was very keen to be president. And when he made this offer through some of his people, intelligence guys, Ong San Suu Kyi just said, get lost. I have won the elections. The mandate is decisive. And, uh, you know, the president is my ma president has been formally elected. He remains. The military thought, ah, the lady now is going to change the constitution and the president will just walk off. And the worst case scenario for the military, Aung San Suu Kyi is the president of the country, not a state councillor. Last time she became state councillor, it was a new thing. She was de facto ruler, but not de jure ruler. She was not the boss by law. She was the boss from behind. This time, she would be the boss if she becomes president. She will run the country, and it's a presidential system. So the military thought this is unacceptable. So this is why they moved. Ming Ong Lang had a personal reason that if I don't take over power now, I'm going to be executed. Now this guy is going to be you know, as long as the military is in power, he's going to be the army chief. And the new committee for running the country that they have made, he's heading it. 11-member committee. Uh, it's a long name in Burmese, but, you know. Uh, so he's the boss. And he's going to, uh, you know, be there in power. So the point is, he's protected from all these sanctions and everything. Yeah. The other thing is why he wanted to be president. You will remember that Mushada was taking extension after extension as army chief. But he was not becoming very popular in the army because the other general said, what are we going to do? If this guy remains army chief for so long, we are out. So, you know, this guy wanted to be president so that other military generals can take over as army chief and fulfill their ambition. Let me tell our audience here that there are four very important uh, military figures. People, they don't know, you know, these guys very much. And may I also tell my friends that they are some of the richest men in Myanmar. The Burmese generals, because they have held power so long, like the Pakistani generals, they're rich people. And I'll tell you something. In the last five years, Aung San Suu Kyi had made the first moves 
to control the two very big business conglomerates in Myanmar, which are run by the army. And these guys are into everything, tourism, beer, share. You name any business and these Myanmar economic holdings, uh, these two, um, you know, um, sort of uh, companies, MEHL and MEC. Yeah, these two are military-held conglomerates. You know, um, one is Myanmar Economic Holdings Limited, MEHL. It was formed in April 1990. Its brief was to provide for economic welfare for soldiers, war veterans, and the Burmese people. So it's not just ex-soldiers, but Burmese people. As well as support the economic development of the state. So when generals try to take over the economic development of the state for which they are not trained, they are not trained economists. So you can understand what happens. But anyway, this is MEHL. And then the other one was Myanmar Economic Corporation. You know, their net worth, according to an estimate made by a UN fact-finding mission, which investigated the military's assets, business interest after you know uh, into the report came out in august 2019 it was a un fact finding mission they were investigating human rights atrocities but they also extended their brief and did this they have a 110 page report if you read the report you will be astounded that they are the ambanis and the tatas of myanmar it's not a regular business group you know, their net worth is something like $130 billion. $130 billion. You know what is Burma, Myanmar famous for? Next time I go, I'll get you. I promise to get you. You know, they're famous for these gems, rubies and sapphires and jade. So Burma is very famous for gemstones. They, are in, they control this trade. And they also control everything from tourism, to skydiving, adventure tourism, to beer, to, you know, name anything. And they're into it. Hotels, they're everywhere. And these two corporations, in the last five years, Aung San Suu Kyi had slowly made some progress into investigating these organizations. And the military was very upset. Why did Aung San Suu Kyi's government, the last NLD government, which was there between 2015 and 20, why did they allow this UN fact-finding mission access to data, not only on what happened in Rakhine, but also on the assets of the military? Because this is the first time there's an official report of some kind of authenticity, which says that the military's net asset worth is $120 billion. That's huge. Now, this is another reason which the military is afraid of. Not only are they worried that if Aung San Suu Kyi had a big enough majority, she would take over political power, she would cancel, you know, these three ministries, the 25% seat, this will all be made open for competition, and there will be no military representation either in the parliament or in the cabinet. This is true. She will be able to contest for presidentship. More importantly, if that is the kind of government she will have, the army will have no protection against an oversight by the government 
into all these business corporations. So all the advantage that these corporations now get, because it's the company of the big guys, nobody touches them. No tax collector will ever go and disturb these two organizations or any of their affiliates. They have 27 affiliates. So their business interests were at stake, their political interests were at stake. And for Ong, uh, Ming Ong Lang, the army chief, his personal sort of things were at stake. His personal future was at stake. And therefore this coup happened and I could see it coming at least 15, 20 days before that the Burmese army, there are a lot of people, my friends, you know, Western experts, they said, oh, the world has changed. We're not in 1990, 1988. You know, the Burmese military will never dare do a military takeover in 2021. And I said, if one military will dare do a military takeover, it's the Burmese military. So I had disagreements with some of the very big you know, Burma experts like Bertil Lindner or Martin Smith, who are very reputed, you know, Myanmar experts, you see, they did not see it coming, which is why the economic advisor of Aung San Suu Kyi is now behind the bars. He's from Australia, seen Turnbull. If he had known this is coming, he would have run away. I can assure you, I know CN very well. He would have, he would have just gone, you see. So they didn't see it coming. The Goras completely failed. You know, the big Goras who sort of their Burma experts, my ex-boss in BBC, Larry Jagan, you'll find him writing a lot. They didn't realize because they believed in 2021 a military coup cannot happen. And I said, if there is one army who can do it, maybe not the Pakistanis. They will keep Imran Khan in front. You know, some kind of facade. Instead of directly taking over, the Burmese will do it directly because Burmese have now no option as a facade. You see, they would have an option. This is what our audience must understand. They would have an option if the pro-military party, which was set up in 2010, from money from the military budget, the USDP, General Thien Singh, he just took off his military uniform, put on the civilian clothes, put on his Burmese blonji, and became president. These guys won only 33 seats this time. So the Burmese military, why did they go for the coup? Because they did not have a civilian facade to be put up for the consumption of the world. They had to do it directly. They had to do it in uniform. So they went with their guns. They told the president, sign this. President said, no. They said, Isko utake le jau. And they brought in the vice president and said, you know, this is exactly how it happened. I'm trying to, you know, bring it down to the level of popular understanding, but this is exactly how it happened. And I'll tell you, I have access to the military because the present Home Minister, General So Tut, he used to be the chief of Burmese military intelligence. His wife was my PhD student. And in Myanmar, Saya is a big thing. So the lady would touch my feet, sheet and all that. Anyway, so a couple of days back, I called up Jojo. She, her name is Jojo. And she said, our people won't tolerate the lady. She's becoming too powerful. This is exactly what she said. So I figured out that But the Goras did not realize, which is why seen torn ball who is the economic advisor to Aung San Suu Kyi, got caught up in all this. 
and now there is a big halla the australians are selling onu chhaddo and all that stuff you know isko chhodo yaar and this is going on if they if, if he had realized this is coming gora aadmi he would have run away you know he wouldn't have stayed there but the point here is so this is this broadly explains why the burmese army had so much at stake and they had to move in now what does this mean for various people i also will make one assertion here you know there is a tendency now in india earlier we blamed pakistan for for everything anything happened everywhere and we'll say yaar wo char pai ke niche isi hai and all that stuff now we have a new tendency to blame the chinese now i am no great friend of the chinese and i have actually done some actual psyops against them you know and i don't want to disclose the details but they attacked my website three times the chinese hackers but i'll tell you one thing the chinese very rarely it's not their style they are not like americans who will intervene try to put their own man in power for the chinese their style is we don't interfere in the internal affairs of a country whoever is there is there jo aayega usse sauda kar lenge that is their broad line ki yaar aaj sheikh hasina usse deal karo kal begum ji aa jayega usse deal karenge aaj aung san suchi usse deal karo wo general sahab aa gaya usse deal kar lenge because china cannot be ignored it's a big heavyweight northern neighbor now a lot of people in india have seen writing you know a diplomats ye jo tv mein aapke baith jate hai na ha 20 saal pehle burma mein ambassador tha he now thinks he still knows burma he knows nothing these guys know nothing i could tell you because their connection with burma is old there's only one among the ambassadors i know who was there in ambassador not too long ago he has some good understanding because when he was ambassador he used to move around quite a lot gautam ji gautam mukhavat but all these old burma you know types i don't want to take names and kuch nahi pata i'm saying with all the authority and i've confronted them in tv channels ki can you tell me the present exchange rate of the burmese currency chat and they'll say no i said chaddo ji you you stop making all these big claims now these guys the city are in the tv studios and they peddle some narrative and the people in india start believing it so these guys started peddling the narrative that the coup was organized by the chinese no it was not but the chinese their line is very simple bhaiya hong sang suchi aa jaye ya general sahab aa jaye hamare paas aana hai that is the way they have lined up their things so there is no way a ruler in myanmar can ignore yes one thing is correct and which is if the military comes to power in myanmar everyone in the world is going to attack them the west everybody then they go more and more into the chinese pocket so the chinese don't mind a military take over because they know that these generals will have inko dana pani dalne wala koi nahi milega so they will have to come to us but at the i tell you i have lectured in burmese national defense college which is the military institution and average burmese soldier is very suspicious of the chinese you know why they are not suspicious of the indians at all they i mean they know that burmese democracy movement is modeled after india and in india there is a natural support of the indian people whatever the government does with the burmese democracy movement but china supported insurgencies in myanmar for long 30 years 
from 1950s to 1989, when the Communist Party of Myanmar, you know, sort of finished, they broke up, you know, into several factions. For 30 long years, the Chinese government officially backed the insurgency, an armed movement by the Burmese communists to take over power. And who were these communists fighting with? They were fighting with the Burmese army. In 1960, in 1940s, uh, 48, 49, the Burmese Communist Army was within uh, 100 kilometers of Yangon. That's where the Burmese military drove them back. That's what the military claims, that we saved this country. Otherwise, communists would have taken over. Now, you know, the, the Chinese have a history of backing not only the Burmese communist movement, but out of the communist movement, one new insurgent group emerged. It's like this. It's like our Maoists. Our Maoists are in Chhattisgarh, in Jharkhand. Who are the soldiers? The tribals. They are the fighting force of the Maoists. But who are the political leaders? Some Bengali or some Telugu. Either it is Kishanji or Ganavati or Prasant Bose type. The Neta to Yelog, tribal, Janjati Myanmar, it was the same thing. The party was based in the north. The fighters were Waz and Pokans. But the big leaders, the chairman, the vice chairman, like Thakin Bathin, Thin, Thakin Pethin, they were kicked out. And the United Waz State Army came into existence. They are the people who do the biggest business in amphetamine drugs today. And they're backed by China, mind you. They are backed by China. China has even given them anti-aircraft, you know, missiles. So Burmese army with all these ethnic armies, Kachins, Karens, they never take on the United War State Army because they have 20,000 fighters and they have this sophisticated equipment. They even have helicopter gunships, all supplied by China. So at the heart of art, the Burmese soldier does not like the Chinese. They think the Chinese always equip the Northern Alliance, these insurgent groups in the north of Myanmar. You look at the map of Myanmar in the north, Kachins, Waz, Kokangs, backed by the Chinese. Not the Kachins, Kachins are very Christian. They wanted to be friends with India. At one point, our RAW has also backed them. It's all in my book. But they are Christians. They don't like the Chinese very much. But Waz and Kokangs, they're very close to the Chinese because they were part of the Burmese Communist Armed Group. And they have dealt with the Chinese long time. Also, the Waz, their language is pretty close to Chinese. Okay. So anyway, the Burmese military is very suspicious. That's why you will find that towards the 2012-13, the Burmese military slowly started opening up to India, to the West, but more to India. They started making friends with the Indian military. And it was also a quid pro quo. Our military thought, that if the Burmese is with us, Burmese military, then our northeastern insurgents based in Sagaing province of China, eh, eh, sorry, Burma, Sagaing division, now this is the last foreign base of northeastern insurgents. Bhutan kicked out. The king and the government of Bhutan, they started a major operation in 2000. Four, and all these Alpha and DFB, they were kicked out of Bhutan. After Sheikh Hazina came to power in Bangladesh, she kicked out all these people. Because I know, Sheikh Hazina told me, 
after she came to power in 2009 she said before i visit delhi those as manmohan singh was there before i visit delhi and have a dialogue with manmohan singh all this india ke jitne badmash yahan baithe hue hain all these alpha shalpha types sabko pakad ke india ke hawale kar do and don't make it official because officially we did not have an extradition agreement with bangladesh he said inko pakdo border mein le jao bsf ko khabar de do bsf ke hawale kar do and this is how you know all these guys who are in bangladesh who are caught there their chairman alpha chairman arvind rajkwa is deputy commander in chief they were all handed over to india and i know the details of these operations i have reported only paresh barua escaped and he went to the china border china burma border and to the best of my knowledge he has some backing from china he is operating there now burma therefore bangladesh is gone bhutan is gone the burma mein jo ilaka hai inka sagaing it's a very thickly forested area i have gone to the rebel bases there you know there is no presence of the burmese army so these people were operating there now the burmese army did not treat this insurgents as priority they have a bigger insurgencies to fight they have to fight the kachins the wars the currents so the burmese used to always say oh we can't send enough soldiers here but after india ke sath mein burmese a military ka military to military relationship jab se develop kiya in the last 5 6 years they started attacking these rebel bases in sagai and that has led to a lot of surrenders from the ranks of alpha and bodos and lot of these northeastern rebels were based there and also many of these nagas they have come over now this is a very critical interest strategic interest for india that if we have to sort out the insurgency in northeast one of the very important thing is we need the support of the burmese army to kick these people out of myanmar it's not easy because it's a very difficult area terrain is tough you know if you walk for days you may just collapse because of humidity itna pasina aata hai because the forest is so thick yeah now um why the burmese is doing this because in rakhine state they have a very powerful insurgent movement the arakan army they're not able to handle it they want support of indian military because these rakhine guerrillas were setting up some bases in mizoram and all that so indian army op- initiated operation sunrise and kicked these people out so the burmese army is very grateful so they are trying to help us now my point here so that brings us to the next part of the talk which is i've told you why the burmese military moved the first statement that came out of mea was oh india favors orderly democratic transition and all that now we have to say it because we have not only a good relation with western countries we have strategic alliance with us with france and all these western countries were extremely critical of this military takeover and why not and we also had to be in tandem with them because we are a democratic country but having said that i am sure i recently went to a seminar of the united services institution which is a military think tank and general after general came and said ki bhaiya our diplomats and politicians should not go overboard with this democracy thing because we will then lose out on our hard difficult uh, our relationship with the burmese military which we have built up with some effort over a period of time 
you know so i am fairly sure that this is the advice mr modi has got from the army and he takes the army seriously as we know so if you realize that the last time there was a visit of an indian delegation both the foreign secretary and the military chief went together to myanmar last year if you recall why we were sending a signal that we are dealing with aung san suu kyi but we are also dealing with the military our approach in myanmar has to be bipartisan and here there is no other party in myanmar it's either the army or aung san suu kyi and we have to deal with both so india is now in on the horns of a dilemma we cannot undermine our democratic credentials by openly supporting the military takeover there is no question of doing that we have to back the democratic forces we have to support the cause for an orderly democratic transition in myanmar so back to elections back to an elected government but we also cannot upset the army too much to the extent that they will stop all their operations in sagai and all our uh, insurgents will again be able to operate there very freely also india has another bigger problem the elephant in the room is china and that's the fear as i said that if if we push the burmese generals too hard they will totally go into the chinese pockets they may not like it actually in 2007 the burmese military dev- had a study and this was an internal study strictly confidential circulated within the generals they actually said that the situation in which we are too dependent on china is not a good thing we have to develop alternate contacts with india the west the asean japan a that is good for our democracy we are not totally you know our economy should not be totally dependent on china so the burmese military is a patriotic military uh, Uh, you know it emerged from the national movement and they are not china ka pitu or anything but what happens is when they take power the world starts shouting at them isko sanction lagao ye karo wo karo so what happens then they gravitate towards china because that's the only place they can go to this happened in 1988 when there was a military coup and lot of people were killed i am i'm witness to the mandalay massacre Uh, where the burmese army opened fire on students and at least 100 people are killed in something like less than half an hour now this is very interesting when you open when a burmese army opens fire in mandalay he could well be shooting his own brother it's not like you know the pakistan army opening fire on bengalis in east pakistan it's like you know burman heartland he could well be firing at his own brother who is saying jindabad and all that stuff uh, if india the west they push the burmese generals too hard they then totally gravitated to china maybe they themselves don't like it but they don't have a choice for china it's a win win situation aung san suu kyi bhi hai to bhaiya usko pay chahiye tha simply you know because they need development funding they need projects they need infrastructure this is the reason why sheikh hasina is so close to india but because india cannot give her the kind of finance development finance that she needs she also turns to china and chinese are putting in a lot of money in infrastructure projects 
because for Sheikh Hasina, the scenario is if I don't expedite development, then Bangladesh will slip back into a Pakistani situation. What? If there is no development, there is no growth, there will be unemployed, and boys will go and become jihadis like Pakistan. So, to curb jihadis, it's not only give the slogans of Bengali nationalism, Joy Bangla is not good enough. Aapko yaar development karna hai taaki bachcho ke haath mein paisa waisa rahe, they won't become jihadis. Now, for that kind of development financing, she turns to China because India does not have that kind of money. India can't give them 28, 30 billion dollars. We have given them 3, 4, 5 billion dollars. You know, for railway lines and this and that, but the kind of money China can put in. So even though she is the closest ally that India has today in South Asia, Sheikh Hasina has turned to China. Same with Aung San Suu Kyi, has to turn to China. So for the Chinese, it's like win-win. Aung San, Madame has to come to us. Army, oh, all the more, because everyone will be attacking them. So this is the Chinese situation. So they are smiling. They are saying, yeah, either way it is gain for us. And they don't have the hang-ups that we have. We are a democratic society. We have to at least pitch for a return to democracy officially. China does not have that problem. It's not a democracy. Their idea of democracy is very different. Chinese democracy is basically one-party democracy. Yeah, Chinese democracy is party factions that is Chinese democracy. Okay. There is actually bitter battles within the Communist Party. But anyway, coming back to this, we now have in India three major problems with this military coup. Now, I won't call it a coup. I'll call it a takeover because officially, the Burmese military, what is their official standpoint? They are saying this election was rigged. There were 8.6 million fraudulent voters and they're giving a specific figure. Now, the pro-military party has been saying it from the day they lost the elections. And the military has also said it now. And they have said, we have taken over power to organize proper elections so that the future of Myanmar is run by political parties which are elected through a proper process. So what the Burmese military has pitched for is not a long tenure of military power, but a return to electoral democracy in their own fashion. Why they are doing it? Now, let me tell you, you know, we are talking of future scenarios now. Why the Burmese army has said this emergency power is, uh, this emergency is for one year. In a small country like Myanmar, you don't need a lot of time to fix the electoral roles. We do it in India, in such a big country, in you know, a couple of months. You don't need one year. But why they have taken one year, you know? What is the Burmese army thinking? And I can tell you what they are thinking. They think that in any election, they cannot deny Aung San Suu Kyi a victory. Even if they go around with guns, Aung San Suu Kyi will win the election. They are resigned to that. They know it will happen. So what are they trying to do? They are trying to reduce her victory margin so that she cannot change the constitution. See, the military mind works like that. 
that what is my tactical objective what is my strategic objective so my objective specific objective here is ki bhaiya jitna bhi jang wang kar lo yaar ye to aa jana hai idhar so what the army is now doing is damage limitation they will unleash a reign of terror arrest everybody has been arrested that the target of the military now is threefold and this is what is going to happen in myanmar number one they are trying to break the demonstration because this video circulating of demonstration is very bad news for the army it proves that aung san suu kyi is immensely popular it proves that tens of thousands of people are out on the street protesting against this military takeover so you know it creates an international image which is not good for this military now yesterday they have started a new technique so long they are trying to break up the demonstration and it didn't happen one thing the the people who said that this is not 1988 they are right in one sense they were wrong in one sense that they didn't expect a military takeover that happened and i said it will happen but they are right in one sense unlike 1988 they cannot open fire in the streets of mandalay and yangon and kill 8000 10000 people then hell will break loose the united nations may even consider a military intervention in myanmar you never know so what they have started since yesterday and i have reported this i put my story both in an indian agency ins and other places this ex servicemen have organizations there they are all funded by this you know this business interests of this yeah this companies owned by them ye inko paise dete hain these guys have attacked demonstrators first they came out supporting slogans in support of the military so they are not allowing the aung san suu kyi supporters a complete control of the streets they are now trying to contest it number 1 then with long knives and slingshots with you know iron balls they attacked this demonstrator quite a few of them were injured though the numbers of the demonstrators are much more and they overpowered these people when they overpowered these military supporters then the police intervened but even there is revolt in the police also so it's difficult for the military to hold on like this but what they are trying to do is they know they will have to hold elections they have taken one year because one year they want to crush the organization of the nld that is their target कि इसके ऑर्गेनाइजेशन को एकदम इस तरह से जो है तोड़ो कि ये अगले बार जब चुनाव करेगा तो इसको इतने सीट नहीं मिलेंगे दे नो शी विल स्टिल विन मेजोरिटी आउट ऑफ फोर सेवेंटी सिक्स शी विल स्टिल गेट टू फिफ्टी थ्री हंड्रेड दैट्स ओके विद देम सो लॉन्ग एज शी डज नॉट गेट फोर हंड्रेड एंड चेंज द कॉन्स्टिट्यूशन सो द बर्मीज मिलिट्री स्कू हियर और द मिलिट्री टेक ओवर and they are open this uh, you know announcement that they will be there for one year is actually aimed at three things number one to protect their power base number two to protect their economic base so that they can remove all their funds in safe countries you know and number three they want to break the nld to an extent that whenever next elections are held USDP their own party will win instead of 33 at least 60 70 seats 
and bring down NLD to less than 350 or 325, like the 2015 election, so that they cannot change the constitution, so that 2008 constitution will remain, so that the military's present position in power, a limited control over power will remain, and Aung San Suu Kyi cannot be president. This is the reason why they are in power. They have taken over. They are trying to organize this entire thing in a way. There's repression, the suppression, and all that. Um, the two other factors that I must bring up is very important for the military. They, the military is hand in glove with Buddhist extremists in the country. You know, there are parties like Mahabharata there. Yeah, it's like the jihadis, it's like Hafiz Said's organization in Pakistan. They say there is no place for minorities. So they are the people who backed the military and gave them the ideological justification for the ethnic cleansing in the Rohingya areas. Now Aung San Suu Kyi committed just before the elections that the military has two other very important interests. One is they resorted to ethnic cleansing backed by the Buddhist, you know, hardline group. And the Buddhist hardline group is again, you know, it's a symbiotic process. This Mahabharata party has been developed by the military to counter NLD. Like the military, when they took over power in Bangladesh to counter Awami League, they developed the Jamaat Islami. Because when Bangladesh became independent, if you remember, Sheikh Mujibur Rahman kicked out the Jamaat Islami. Because Jamaat Islami had supported the cause of Pakistan. So, you know, uh, Sheikh Mujibur Rahman had said, you know, they are traitors. But when the military came to power, they needed some political party which could counter Awami League, and they, they went back to this fundamentalist. So, this fundamentalist military Hisab is a fact of life in Bangladesh, in Pakistan, now not in Bangladesh, now Bangladesh military is different. But when the military took power, they needed this fundamentalist to keep out the Democratic Party. So in Pakistan, you know, they, they hobnob with all these uh, hardline fundamentalists all the time. And Myanmar also the same thing. So Aung San Suu Kyi said, we will take back the Rohingyas in progressive phases. In the first batch, they will take back 44,000. This is what the military did not like. So one of the reasons why they want to take over power now is to ensure that this, deport, uh, this repatriation of the Rohingyas from Bangladesh stops. Now, I'll bring in this dynamics here. Bangladesh, when 2017, I was there in Myanmar, when this cleansing, ethnic cleansing and you know, Burmese atrocities against the Rohingyas started, Sheikh Hasina had to open her borders. You know why? Because the Islamist parties in Bangladesh were putting a lot of pressure that our freedom struggle, we went to India, we got shelter. Now our Muslim brothers in Bangladesh are in trouble and Sheikh Hasina is not opening the borders. She had to open it. But at the heart of heart, most Bengali liberal Muslims and Bengali Muslims are the most liberal Muslims in this part of the world. I can tell you that. You ask any Awami League leader, Deepu Moni, who I call sister, she is now the education minister. She said, brother, Dada, these Rohingyas are not Bengalis. They are made Bengalis by the Burmese. Burmese call them illegal Bengalis. 
because the Burmese want to deny them the status of indigenous people. So the Rohingyas are not officially recognized as one of the one of their 135 races in Myanmar. They said they are illegal Bengalis, both them Bengali and Bengali in a very Burmese way. But Deepu only tells me that Burmese log Bengali banate. They are not Bengalis, they are a mixed race. They have Arab blood, they have Portuguese blood, they have Burmese blood, and they have some Bengali blood because this area of Arakan Rakhai is on the crossroads of Southeast Asian and South Asian civilization. You see, Arakan, if you recall, used to be an independent sultanate where one of the brothers of Aurangajeb, Murad, fled when Aurangajeb was killing his brothers, if you remember, Darashi Koko Mardia. So Shuja had fled, Shuja, not Murad, I'm sorry, fled to the Arakan kingdom and got married to one of the Arakanese queens. So there was this Arakanese kingdom, Muslim, Islamic kingdom there for a long time. And they are not Bengalis. Now, what is the difference? The liberal Bengali Muslims who make up the support base of Awami League are very, very scared that the Rohingyas are much more hardline Islamists and they have this Arabic Islam in them because I have gone to these Rohingya mosques in Myanmar. In ke jo khadim hai, jo imam hai, ya jo khatib hai, most of them are either Arabs Iraqi hai, koi kuch hai, or they are Pakistanis, or they are Deobandis from India. They are not Bengali Muslim, you know, Imams in the Rohingya mosque. Because, you know what, even in Calcutta, some of these Urdu speaking Imams, they think Bengali Muslims are bad Muslims. They will say Muhammad Roshul in a very Bengali way. So, you know, and another thing, let me tell you, and I have, I, I know it because I knew a Maulana who was fought in Afghanistan. He's a Bangladeshi jihadi, but he told me after coming back, he's my source in Harkatul Jihad al-Islami. He said, Bengali Muslims are not trusted in the Islamic world. You know why? They say you are the only bloody Muslims in the world who have broken up an Islamic jihad and Islamic comp. Because for you, your language, your culture came first and religion came later. So you guys are not proper Muslims. You guys are ceremony. So you know, there is a feeling across the Islamic world that these Bengali Muslims have broken up. So they are uncomfortable with the Rohingya. So Sheikh Hasina now is desperate to send them back. Why? Rohingya 1 million Chittagong and all this area. The support base of the Jamaati Islami increases. It has an implication for the internal politics of Bangladesh that the Islamist parties, Hifadat Islam, Jamaat Islami, inka taqat bad jayega. And Awami League will, you know, not be so popular with these Rohingyas because they are hardline Muslims. Secondly, Aung San Suu Kyi had said that if she comes back to power this time, she will start the Panglong peace process with the ethnic minorities, many of whom have rebel armies like our guerrillas, Nagas and all. They have this Kachin's current. In case Adam Bachi Shuru Karenge. For a comprehensive peace process. 
Now in Myanmar, yeah, unlike India, in India we deal with one group at a time. Naga ke saath alag baat ho raha hai, Alpha ke saath alag baat ho raha hai, Kashmir mein alag se baat ho raha hai. But in Myanmar, Aung San Suu Kyi tried to bring it under one comprehensive thing because she thought that this peace process will lead to some federalism in the country, changes in the constitution, and this will bring out all the rebel groups at one and the same time and make Burma a peaceful country. The civil war in Myanmar, which has continued since their independence, will come to an end, and people will start investing in Myanmar. This will be the next big growth story. This is her vision. I know what auntie's vision is. Now, the army does not like it. Why, if peace comes to Myanmar, the army If there is no reason, army justifies its expansion in Myanmar and its modernization program. Ki sab lao, ye lao, plane Not to fight any foreign enemy. Because who are the foreign enemies? China, come on. Burmese army is not going to fight China. India, come on. I mean, you know. So who are they? Bangladesh? Ah, come on. No, really. I mean, you know, so they are actually, the Burmese army is the one army which is fighting its own citizens for a very long time. The civil war in Myanmar is one of the long-standing civil wars anywhere in the world. It has continued since 1948 when the country became independent and the currents revolted. Then one by one, the other minorities also set up their own rebel groups and revolted. Aung San Suu Kyi has a vision because her father started this Panglong process. You know, Marshal Aung San went to Panglong in 1947 and he wanted to make Burma a proper federal country and give power to the minority region, which is why the Buddhist extremists killed him. Like Gandhi was killed, similarly, Aung, Marshal Aung San was also murdered and murdered by Buddhist extremists who thought countries should be controlled by Buddhists, Burmese Buddhists, a majoritarian government. This minority minority ka game shame jada nahi hona So they killed Aung San. Now her daughter wants to revive this process. You see, both these daughters are their father's daughter. Both Sheikh Hasina and Aung San Suu Kyi, they are the real daughters of the East. It's not Benazir Bhutto who wrote Daughter of the East. The real daughter of the East is my Apa, Sheikh Hasina, and my auntie, you know, Aung San Suu Kyi. Both are father's daughter. They bring their father's vision. You ask Sheikh Hasina anytime she will tell you my father's vision of Shonar Bangla, you know, which means a growing country, growing economy. And today, whenever we talk, she will tell you my father was right in breaking off from Pakistan because Pakistan today, even in GDP growth, we have crossed India, Pakistan. So, you know, in Punjabi, we will say Gul Chaddoji. Pakistan Gul Chaddo. It's not even. Bangladesh has crossed even India in human development indicators. So, Sheikh Hasina will always tell you that this was possible only because we broke away from Pakistan. It's a sinking ship. She calls it a sinking ship. You know, because she says we are a moderate country in religious terms. This is the key to our success. It's our Bengali nationalism, liberal Bengali sentiments, it's not a luxury, it's a necessity for Bangladesh to grow. Because if we try to become too much of a hard Islamist country like Pakistan, Imran Khan Saab cannot pay the electricity bill of the Prime Minister's office or Bolivia. So, 
Sheikh Hasina says this, and Aung San Suu Kyi also has that in mind, that the only people who became fat in terms of property is the military, with all these holdings and all that. There has to be even business, foreign investment. She has a growth model for it. And her main advisor is not this Australian who is given so much publicity. It is Manmohan Singh. You know, Myanmar has a Manmohan Singh. Ong Thung Tet. He's an ex-World Bank economist. He's her main advisor. But he's somebody who remains behind the scene. This Australian is a loudmouth. He gets too much publicity. He's not such a big economist. I've talked to him. So Ong Tung Thet, uncle, he has given this entire vision and Ong Sang Suchi said, ah, now that I, last five years, I could not do much because I had to operate under a military created constitution. This time I've got the majority, a constitutional change, authentic democracy, authentic federalism and growth. And Myanmar me kya They have all kinds of resources. They have oil, they have gas. You know, they have minerals, they have gem, gems. It's a very rich country. Look at a forest wealth. Look at where they were when the British were there. It was one of the richest countries of Asia. Now, sometimes you will hear even in India, some old people sometimes and some young people also these days, Ki we must have a dictatorship. Yar army ko bulala, ye democracy, democracy is all bullshit. I tell them, you look at Myanmar and you will understand how foolish you are. Military is trained for war. It's not trained to run an economy. It's not trained to run anything. You put them, you, they are fighting war. They're a professional army. It's a good thing. You bring them into anything else, you're asking for trouble. And we don't have to go very far. Hamare bagal mein Pakistan hai, Myanmar hai. And also Bangladesh. Bangladesh, the military rules are nikla. Tab Bangladesh ka growth hua this phenomenal growth of Bangladesh, by which it is becoming one of the Asian tigers now. You know, GDP growth rate crossing India's GDP growth rate and all that, all possible because they have a democratic government. Military has been sent to the barracks. Aung San Suu Kyi was trying to get these things in order with the help and assistance of a number of people who have advised her. And she saw this was her chance. The army realized they have seen the Bangladesh experience next door. He was steadily, Sheikh Hasina has marginalized the army. She's a smart women leader. And Aung San Suu Kyi will do the same thing. At a personal level, they are both very good friends. You know, so she will follow the same model. That's why they have moved. The final thing I want to say here is that now what is going to happen? The army's line is very clear. We have to hold elections. But we'll hold it after one year, you know, smash the NLD organization, crush it, so that next time NLD, if there is nobody to campaign also, in Bengali we have a saying, election So even in Myanmar, that is the thing, point is, Military strategy is now to get it below 300 or 320 so that Aung San Suu Kyi cannot change the constitution. Now, in this scenario, what the international community will do? A, what India has to do? Because if the Burmese generals can do business as usual with China, India and ASEAN, 
which is almost 70% of Burma's foreign trade, they don't need the West, really. They just don't need the West. Yeah? So there is a bind for India. We are in the Security Council now. You know, there will be a lot of pressure from the West for India to actually pitch very strongly for a return of democracy at the soonest possible date in Myanmar. But we also have to keep our strategic interests in mind. We also have to ensure that we don't do anything foolish by which the Burmese generals go totally into China's pocket. This is a real major, I would say, this is a very major emerging foreign policy challenge for Mr. Modi and Mr. Jay Shankar to address. You know, this is this needs a real crucial balancing act. You are a big populist democracy, but you know, you are staying quiet on this issue. So, you know, this is a major challenge. Sometimes we have had problems with this. You know, there was a time when we, we realized that we don't want to send the Burmese military junta into China's pocket. So our ambassador stopped visiting Aung San Suu Kyi on our birthday with flowers, which all Western diplomats do. And Aung San Suu Kyi immediately took note of it. She told me, Subir, why your ambassador did not come to wish me? Everybody else came. You know why? She is sentimentally very attached to India. Her mother was the ambassador of Myanmar in Delhi. She studied in Lady Sridham College. She has a lot of, you know, Indian friends. Yeah. So she is, she will never miss a situation like that. Now that is not the kind of, you know, that's the kind of mistake we should never make. We should never sound like we are backing off on our commitment to restoration of democracy. And it's a good thing that the MEA has made a statement to this effect. But we also can't do something which will push the Burmese generals too hard. So what do we do? I think the time has come for India. If we are really a regional power, we have to behave like one. I'm not saying we are a world power. We will not be a superpower. I agree with Parak Khanna when he says, and you know he's a famous geostrategist based in America, that India is a swing state. India will not be a global power like America or China or the European Union put together in economic terms, may not be in military terms. But we are the most important swing state in the world. Meaning, And China also wants that we don't go too much towards America and America will. In this kind of a game, we are definitely a regional power. We have to play a major role, both in solving the Rohingya issue to the satisfaction of both Bangladesh and Myanmar. But at the end of the day, I think India is the country which is well suited to actually mediate from behind the scenes for a demo early democratic restoration in Burma. This is my catch line for the talk today. That what is your disadvantage? Your disadvantage is you are on the horns of a dilemma. If you say democracy, the general will be angry. If you say democracy, the general will be angry. You are on a bind. 
Now, in a military situation, and I've been to a military school in childhood, I'm a Rimkolian. You know, I don't know if any military guy is there in your audience, but they will know what Rimkolian is. Point is, when you are in cornered, you come out with your guns blazing. For India, now the option is, when we are in this kind of bind, we should, as a member of the Security Council, though not a permanent member, but we are in Security Council, we are the chairman of World Health Organization and all that stuff. Our role is increasing. We must play a role in the restoration of democracy in Myanmar because that is our only way we can tell the world, Aha, don't push us too much. We are talking to the generals because we have good relations with them. You don't have that because we have already criticized them. And we also have good relations with Aung San Suu Kyi and the NLD. So India... I had actually advocated this very strongly with my good friend Ajit Doval, sir. And Ajit Doval, sir, has actually visited, you know, during this peace talk saying in 2017, I think, he visited Myanmar with Zoram Thanga, the chief minister of Mizoram. I had advocated that Zoram Thanga is a classic example of Indian democracy. The man who fought India for 20 years, his guerrillas killed Indian soldiers. He is now the chief minister. And you know what as example we make when we have somebody like Zoram Thanga? Altaf Hussein once told me, you know, this MQM fellow in Sin, in your country, people can fight your government for 20 years and then come back and become chief minister. In our country, if we start this, either Fateh Hasil, Bangladesh, we'll be finished. So, you know, this is the strength of Indian democracy. And therefore, reconciliation, which is part and parcel of Indian democracy, you've seen this in Northeast. We have had peace accords elsewhere. Now, point I'm trying to make here is, I had advocated very strongly that Zoram Thanga should actually be, you know, because when an NLD MP was kidnapped in Rakhine, Zoram Thanga mediated his release. Aung San Suu Kyi called up Zoram Thanga and Zoram Thanga because he has been in the underground. Because he has been there. So he mediated the release and Zoram Thanga is a good friend of mine, Kapu. So, you know, I told Ajit Dohal, sir, that Zoram Thanga ko ho. in your early career, you worked in Mizoram. You understand Zoram Thanga, use him in the Burmese peace process. We have a presence there. The Chinese can't, you know, take over the whole thing because we can create this example of peace process because we have done it in our own country. We have brought all these, you know, fighting type guerrilla organizations out and they are part of the democratic process now. Now I will say we should go one step further and I'll finish here. We should actually play a role, a crucial role. And this is a challenge for Mr. Modi and Mr. Jay Shankar and our foreign policy establishment that we should play a very important role in Myanmar democratic restoration because we are ideally suited because we know the generals very well and we know Aung San Suu Kyi very well. The West does not click so well with the generals because they call them villains. And, um, you know, the Chinese, well, they are not really trusted. You know, Aung San Suu Kyi won't trust them very much. And Chinese, you know, this democratic restoration, well, 
the Chinese don't have a democracy, so they really don't know anything about democracy. Yes, Russian. I mean, they're on the back foot in this. They can put some pressure, definitely. But India has to take the lead in this region along with the ASEAN. So that's on that pitch, he'll finish by saying that if we think we are a big power, it's not only during Bhashans from the Red Fort, we have to actually walk the talk. And this is our opportunity. What many may see as our liability, as our problem, as our you know, dilemma, I will say this is our opportunity and we should seize it with both hands. Uh, my question here, I disagree with you when you say that China is not really involved because um, there is something very like coincidence. 12th of January, the Chinese foreign minister goes and meets this general, General Yang, who has now taken over. And 1st February, he makes a move. And this is not a small move. He could not have done without a solid backing. No, no, One, no. One reason I, and two, I, I, I have another another justification that by this coup in Myanmar, nobody really gains. Uh, neither Burma is gaining. Unke neighbors, Thailand ke saath mein unka border issues ho rakhe hai because uh, the protests, the civil war, the the Rohingya talk with Bangladesh that has come to a standstill. India has not really said anything. China has not criticized it, they said just call it what parliamentary shuffle in Burma. So China has to gain from this. Why? Because of the trade war. US ne sanctions lagadi. Now they can sell their vaccines. Now they can take over the trade. Now they can build bridges and probably again debt trap another country. So I, I feel that from this coup, neither Burma nor its neighbors gain except China in the trade. I mean trade war to hai na. No, no, no. Let me tell you something. In the very beginning, I made a point and I said, China gains anywhere. Even if Aung San Suu Kyi remains in power, she has to deal with China, especially on development finance. So even when Aung San Suu Kyi was in power, all the Chinese projects were happening. You see, we were having problem with our Kaladan multimodal project, but the Chinese were having no problems with their chalk fields because the Arakan army was. So, you know, my point is, the Chinese were meeting the generals because if I can understand in January, beginning of January, that the military is going to do something, you would say the Chinese won't understand. The Chinese would. So the Chinese definitely tried to meet these people, the military guys, trying to figure out what they're up to. And basically the Chinese, you know, the Chinese, their attitude is whoever comes to power will deal with them. And the, for the Chinese, Chinese definitely benefit. You know why? Because the world will blame the military, they will go more into Chinese pocket. So they won't oppose a coup. But what I'm trying to tell you is that the Chinese didn't really orchestrate it. But on the protest, the protesters on the streets of Yangon, I have this actually video where they say, Myanmar coup made in China. And you know what? The Chinese embassy immediately put out a statement saying, China has nothing to do with the coup in Myanmar. We are all for, you know, restoration of status quo and all that stuff. So China is also on the defensive on that. They can't openly wear this military junta because China now has to prove, especially after this virus thing, where China's international credibility has gone for a toss. And, you know, vaccine ki baat kar rahe ho. 
the Burmese are sitting in Delhi trying to buy our vaccines. Nobody trusts the Chinese vaccines. You know, I have done a story in South China Morning Post on this. Even Cambodia, which is a stronger ally of China, much stronger. It's like Pakistan. Even the Cambodians, Chinese gave them 1 million doses of Sinopharm vaccine. The Cambodians have asked India for 1 billion doses of this AstraZeneca. Because China ka vaccine koi trust nahi kar rahe. The Brazilians don't trust it. Nobody in the world. Indonesians have said no. Even Nepal has not given permission. And forget about Bangladesh. Bangladesh to kaam kuch nahi lenge. We take only Indian vaccines. But anyway, let me come back to the My difference with you is only this. They didn't orchestrate this coup. Because they knew if this happens, in any case, they will gain. They will gain from it. But they definitely figured out, and I will give them credit, that their man went and met the general. Whereas our, I have it on authority, because I have been in the National Security Advisory Board, our embassies and others did not report the coup happening, which is why our newspapers also you know, gave my story a pass. Our establishment was totally oblivious that this is going to happen. The Chinese are smarter. You have to give them the credit for that. So they were aware that something is going to happen. Unka aisa hai na, wo jaake general ko meet karke raha ke bolega ke biyar tu jo bhi karle, amare saath jo hai na koi panga nahi lena. This is the thing. This is you see the Chinese I've seen. I know a number of Chinese academics, and their idea is we have to create a situation in which this is the thrust of Chinese diplomacy that. Whoever is in power, we will deal with them. But we will, of course, have favorites. business project You know, we'll deal with them. But the Chinese usually exception is Nepal. This time in Nepal, they have dispatched delegation after delegation because they want to keep Oli and Prachenda together. But usually the Chinese, they play from behind. You know, they are like Meghna. So what they do is they try to create a situation this is the style. You see? So I am saying I'm just differing from you in one aspect, which is they have protected their interest, you know, Myanmar, this Myanmar China economic corridor and all, you know, they have a lot of investment there. So they have done that. And in a case, you know, the Burmese army won't do it. Because Burmese army, China se hathiyar jada kharita. Mara se aajkal kharit rai. But most of the hathiyar they buy from China. And you mean to say the generals don't make money there. Of course they do. So China in any case would have gained from it. You know, either way. Even if Aung San Suu Kyi auntie is in power, the auntie has to go there. Auntie Xi Jinping ke saath mein jaga handshake usko karna hai. You know? And the Chinese have invested all these, you know, bigger Yangon project and all that. The Chinese money is invested there. So one thing, because I know because I exposed this. You know, I exposed this arms racket of China where I said the arms sold to the Burmese armies by China. Also, the Arakan army is getting these Chinese arms. So the Chinese were very upset. They had to deny this and all. But, you know, I put the story out in the domain. So that's the thing. They knew this is going to happen. They benefit from it. So why should they move? You know, they know I'm going to do something. This is what I'm going to do. Either way. 
अब सूखी आएगा तो दो दिन बाद आगे देखा जनरल जो है उसकी जूते पड़ेंगे हर जगह से तो वो पहले आ जाएगा बट आएगा जरूर मिठाई हमारे थाली में तो ये सीन है चाइना का तो अगर वो इलेक्शन इस बार जीतेंगे भी तो लास्ट टाइम होगा शायद उनका पावर में यू कैन नॉट बी श्योर नो मीन वेरी फिट शी इज एक्सेप्शनली फिट शी इज एक्सट्रीमली फिट आई कैन टेल यू दैट बिकॉज बर्मी जो फूड है ये सब एंड देन शी हेज बीन एन इंग्लिश मैन वाइफ शी इज एक्सट्रीमली हेल्थ कॉन्शियस यू सी हाउ फिट शी इज सो आई वॉन्ट से दिस इज अ लास्ट टाइम इन पावर शी मेन बिकॉज प्रेसिडेंट तो बन के रहेगी No, I was telling that uh, means uh, in the pre- if she becomes the president, so it would be the uh, she would have one chance only. But the military is consistent, so if military uh, military is uh, gains the power, means that twenty five percent seats are reserved. Then uh, there would be a one of profit for military that in future because uh, on after on San Suki, there is you can say no very major leader. Who supports every? Uh, who supports uh, on San Suu Kyi every decision? So there would be a uh, future or gain for military. So what do you comment on it that uh, military can gain in future? And my second question is uh, regarding uh, you said uh, that twenty five percent seat. So the, will uh, the, they will destroy NLD? So how can they destroy NLD in terms of they have very mass support? Okay, so I'll take your first question. Uh, if i know auntie well you know she has another 10 years in politics i'm fairly sure of that she's a child she's fit she's very conscious of her weight she's extremely conscious of her health so you know unless something suddenly happens now if you look at the nld structure there are at least four leaders who are there to take in the seat when she is not around they are extremely capable leaders they are in the democratic movement for a very very long time and uh, they have been in government and and i will tell you one of them specially i want to raise is uh, pethin who used to be their information minister very very competent fellow so you know there are people and ongthun thet ongthun thet who i told is the manmohan singh of myanmar ex world bank economist auntie is at the end of the day more of a face she is marshal aung san's daughter and she has a western exposure but you know government running a government running an economy well that's not a real strength actually the way she has run the government in the last 5 years is because of these guys like takin ketin uh, or onthun tet who she would have made finance minister this time you know she was slowly bringing on to ten who had left uh, you know world bank so there are leaders who can walk into her shoes they won't have her symbolic value that if she uh, hong san suchi is in power for 5 years and she is president she is she is burmese but she is also quite a bit british in her way she will create a next line of leadership she is aware of this that's why she is bringing in on to ted because she knows this man is an economist is much younger world bank experience acceptable to the west acceptable to japan on to ted so you know he is the man who can lead myanmar's economic growth based on its enormous resources 
and, and change the face of Burmese economy in the same way that Sheikh Hasina has changed the face of Bangladesh economy. And I can tell you, Myanmar has much more resources than Bangladesh. Bangladesh, the main resources is labor. You know, Bangladesh economy, the main strength is labor. So their main economy is what? Garments. Why? They don't produce cotton. But their thread goes from India. It's value addition. Why? Because labor is cheap. And also because Bangladeshi labor goes abroad and they send back remittance. So garments and remittance are the two major sources of Bangladesh economy. Myanmar has 10 different things. You know, Myanmar economy is much more diverse. So their potential for growth is much more than Bangladesh. I mean, Bangladesh can work. So Bangladesh had a finance minister like Muhit, who is now very old and is gone. AMA Muhit is an old civil servant, strong economist. Sheikh Hasina is not an economist. But this phenomenal economic turnaround in Bangladesh that everybody is talking about now. You remember, Henry Kissinger said Bangladesh is a basket case. Because Pakistanis had destroyed Bangladesh. First they looted, then during the war, everything was is because of Mohit. Now Mohit type of a figure is there in Bangladesh and he would be the next leader on Tuntet. Or Pethin. You know, collective leadership. And now, you know, so I don't think the NLD will have a leadership vacuum. I don't agree because I know the party very well. I've worked there and I speak Burmese and I know these people. So I know auntie is aware of these things. She, she is aware that she has to create a second line. I think she's more aware of this than Sheikh Hasina who is very typically Bengali. You know, Ami Achi Hawe. But, uh, you know, auntie is Burmese, but she's also very British because she's been a Goraji's wife for a very long time. So, you know, she realizes that second line and all that. So that is why the army is very desperate. They know that Isbar Agar, full majority ke saath mein, power mein ye aagaye hain, they change the constitution, they'll change the very, you know, polity. Jisko kehte na, polity. The very structure of Myanmar. Isme federation ban jayega. There will be new leaders coming from the regions. So Burma will be a very different place in the next five years if Aung San Suu Kyi can have a full play. So army had to stop it. Achha, army ka ek advantage jarur hai, but ek disadvantage we have. You know what? These guys, they know, they are aware that if Aung San Suu Kyi gets a free run with a huge majority in the next five years, he'll change the country. So it's now or never for them. They want to protect. It's not that, you know, they know very well they cannot finish the NLD. Of course, I agree with you. But they want, as I said time and again, ki yaar arrest kar diya, jail mein dal diya, ye kar diya, wo kar diya, election ke time mein andar rak diya. They want to create a situation in which he should not get 350 seats or more. Their only game is ki kisi tarah se Inko asa majority to mile guy, but asa majority mile, just say a constitution change nahi kar seke. The army is playing a damage limitation game. Ki yar kisi tarase, dozar art ka constitution ko bichalo. Kisi tarase hamjo business vagara karrena. Burmese army is not just soldiers, they are also lalas, yar in military uniform. They're bloody lalas. 
Yeah, like the Pakistani generals, you have the Fauji Foundation and all that. You have the Myanmar economic holdings here. You know, so they want that, yeah, these people power will come, then oversight will start. Our here tax, tax, you know, they will start probing into these military businesses. Many places we have created monopolies. This will be finished. Aung San Suu Kyi will not only bring in foreign investors, but she will give some local businessman a lot of you know play. So, inka jo monopoly ho khatam ho jayega. So, at the end of the day, in Punjab you say na pehdi girl, so there is a pehdi girl also involved in this whole thing. So, army has a lot to lose, but army knows they cannot finish Aung San Suu Kyi. Their game is ki bhaiya isko yar. ऐसा है तुम्हें 400 या 300 साढ़े तीन सौ सीट नहीं मिलना चाहिए 300 तक हो ठीक है बिकॉज देन यू कॉन्ट चेंज द कॉन्स्टिट्यूशन समझ गए ना दिस इज वेयर द गेम इज द मिलिट्री इंटायर स्ट्रेटेजी इज फोकस्ड ऑन दैट कि यार किसी तरह से हमारे जो चमचे हैं यूएसडीपी वाले उनको 33 सीट्स मिला है लास्ट इलेक्शन दे हैड एटी और सब they should get something close to 80 to 100 so that aung san suu kyi gets below 3300 matlab constitution change karne layak majority inke paas nahi hona chahiye and aung san suu kyi ne bada chal chal diya ek to usko 396 seat mil gaya upar se usne keh diya national consensus ye wo are bhaiya national consensus ke chakkar mein jo ethnic parties ko aap laaye ho उसके चलते आपको 44 सीट्स और मिल गया सो यू हैव अ ह्यूज मेजॉरिटी व्हिच वी कैन चेंज कॉन्स्टिट्यूशन लाइक दिस तो इसमें चक्कर आर्मी का यही है कि किसी तरह से खेल कूद कर आई मीन दे आर फाइटिंग अगेंस्ट दी करंट्स ऑफ हिस्ट्री दैट्स व्हाट आई रिटन रिसेंटली यू नो सारा दुनिया का हवा जिस तरफ जा रहा है ये हवा के खिलाफ खड़ा है हां huh? बट दे आर लाइक सोल्जर्स दे विल ट्राई टू मेक द बेस्ट ऑफ अ बैड बारगेन कि यार ये पोस्ट ओवररन तो हो ही जाएगा जितना हमला हो रहा है बट किसी तरह जब तक पारो रोक लो जब तक पारो रोक लो ये फौजी वाला हिसाब है ये फौजी मेंटालिटी है बट एट द सेम टाइम आई एग्री विथ यू ऑन वन थिंग शायद इस बार एक साल जो इन्होंने कहा है ना इमरजेंसी रखना बहुत मुश्किल होगा प्रोटेस्ट इज मल्टीप्लाइंग एक चीज बर्मा के जनता को पता है कि आज के तारीख में जो सोशल मीडिया यू नो फेसबुक बर्मा का पॉपुलेशन का वन फोर्थ ऑफ द पीपल आर फेसबुक यूजर्स आई वाज हेडिंग द फेसबुक फैक्ट चेकिंग यूनिट इन बंगला एंड म्यांमार इज लैंग्वेज बिकॉज आई स्पीक बर्मी सो आई नो द पावर ऑफ फेसबुक देयर ये सब जो मतलब आर्मी नोज की यू नो इट्स वेरी डिफिकल्ट एंड आर्मी ऑल्सो नोज की इस बार अगर उन्होंने एटी एट जैसा गोली वोली चला दिया आठ दस हजार लोगों को मार दिया हल्ला हो जाएगा देर मे इवन बी ए मिलिट्री इंटरवेंशन फ्रॉम द यूनाइटेड नेशन सो दे कान डू दैट सो उसलिए जो है ना ये स्ट्रीट प्रोटेस्ट इतना स्ट्रॉन्ग क्यों हो रहा है इसलिए हो रहा है कि पता है कि साले गोली नहीं चला सकते मारेंगे पीटेंगे दो चार एक्स आर्मी वाले जो है वो आके कल उन्होंने वो दुलेल वुलेल से मारा you know but that's it young on central station so that's the case and the last point i'll make on what you have said is that army ke jo younger soldiers this is very important last and this was my advice i can take credit for that because the kind of edit pranam mukherjee gave to sheikh hasina ki army ko peace keeping mein bhejo let them make money you know dollars 
दे विल नॉट हैव एन इंसेंटिव टू रन द कंट्री आर्मी को यार वो सिविलियन प्रोजेक्ट दे दो कॉन्ट्रेक्टर से पैसा वो भी खाएगा जो पॉलिटिशियन खाता है थोड़ा बहुत उसको भी खाने दो कर्नल साहब ब्रिगेडियर साहब को तो वो चुपचाप रहेगा द थर्ड थिंग दैट इज एक्सट्रीमली इंपॉर्टेंट इज वी टोल्ड शेख हसीना एंड शी एक्सेप्टेड की सेंड योर सोल्जर्स फॉर हायर कमांड ट्रेनिंग टू इंडिया नॉट टू पाकिस्तान नॉट टू चाइना यू नो वाई when a marvi soldier or a bangladeshi soldier comes to india he works with the indian army people this thing that we soldiers are professionals we have to accept civilian supremacy ye uske dimag mein baith jata hai so fir wo political control lene ke chakkar mein kam ho jata hai uska you know because he gets exposed to a different military culture so sheikh azina on pranab mukherjee's advice did it more and more bangladeshi officers now come to india for higher level staff courses and all that burma mein bhi ye process shuru hua hai and we did it because we said we have to fight insurgencies together so there is in the ranks of the relatively junior officers of the myanmar army you know these kind of people who have gone to the west who have come to india ki yaar this older soldiers ye general lying and all these general so told they think of political power they are fools they know that this is not possible anymore we should try to protect our turf which is the security in that area we should be supreme but ye politics chalana ye mulk chalana ye sab bakwas mein humko nahi fasna chahiye so increasingly there is a trend in the middle ranks of the burmese military you know the colonels the majors and many of them who have come to west or come to india for staff training ki yaar ye panga lena jo hai na ye running the country shantri ye bakwas hai ye isme fasna nahi humko so you know better uh, sort of let us be a professional army a strong army but let us not get involved in this business of running the country but there is a problem devangs there and that problem is with the senior people you know in the uh, burmese military because these are the old generals who have enjoyed political power ab jo kheer khaya hai wo fir khana chahta hai to ye scene hai so i don't think you know the military in the long term will always think ki yaar we are the people who will run the country you know that scenario some speakers in indian television i have you know the so called ambassadors who were there 20 years before they have been saying these things i don't want to name them but you know who i am talking about who can any burmese army to power nahi chhodega yaar naya generation burmese army aap mile ho unse baat karo they know that you know this in the long run this is not possible we are going against the current of the world history so chhodne ke ha what we should do is we should defend our turf we should have the final word when it comes to national security and all that stuff you know let's do that so i don't think in the long run there is a huge incentive in the lower ranks the middle ranks of burmese military brigadiers colonels you know command battalions who command brigades utna bhi nahi hai ki yaar humko power enjoy karna hai ye karna hai wo karna hai theek hai so this the army who is in place can we i mean what implications it will have for india's northeast I mean, will the insurgents get a free hand, or uh, how will it be like? And the second question is, uh, you told that uh, in the Rohingya. But are you like, asking whether uh, the northeast insurgency 
What will be in the India. impact on the in India? Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The second question second. is in the Rohingya case. Uh, you said even if we, even if India deports uh, them to Myanmar, they won't India, be accepted. India, Bangladesh, Bangladesh. Ah, uh, Bangladesh or they won't be accepted as citizens. So, what uh, pragmatic solution Good. does India have? If, if if in the first place, since we have the Citizenship Amendment Act in place, so uh, how will it be implemented in the ground level? If we are sure that okay, they won't be uh, accepted, right? Let me. You know, address your first uh, question. Um, you know, insurgency northeast is more or less under control now. And uh, in Myanmar, if we don't upset the Myanmar military too much, in the past, the Myanmar military has not helped our insurgents. Only thing that they have done is that because Sagai is a very difficult area, the Myanmar military never did many operations against them. Sometimes they have attacked them, even in the past, even in 1970s and 80s. But, uh, you know, and if you read the book by Kaka Iralu, who is a very well-known Naga writer, you will find that the Naga, Naga army, that is Naga insurgent groups going to China, every time they went through Myanmar, they faced a lot of opposition, you know, from the Myanmar military. So Asaniki Myanmar military is not worked against them. But at the, you know what happens if the Myanmar army gets too involved tackling its own insurgency and now not only insurgency, they have to tackle domestic unrest because in the streets of Yangon, Jindabad, Horainavi. So they have to tackle this. In that case, I foresee the Myanmar army will A, have less resources and B, a less incentive to work against our northeastern insurgents in Sagai. And therefore, they will get some lease of life. I don't think they can do very much. You know, Paresh, Barua, and all these people, I don't believe it. You know, because they are already, you know, backbone is broken. One dangerous thing, if this whole scenario persists, you know, we are negotiating with the NSCN for a very long time. And we have a framework agreement with the NSCN from 19, 2015. Our failure to sign a final agreement with the NSCN, that is the danger. That if we cannot sign and we persist with this NSCN talk, and if the NSCN at some point loses their you know, patience, well, if they go back to the jungles and if the Burmese are worried about their own situation, that's the worst case scenario. I don't see that happening because the NSCN is headed by Naga leaders who are very old now and they have an incentive in peace and they want to talk to the Indian government and come to a settlement. But, you know, we are not getting a settlement because they have made some very difficult demands. You know, they want their own constitution, own flag, which Mr. Modi cannot accept. So naturally, no Indian, you know, prime minister can accept that. But having said that, that's a danger. You know, this NSCN is the strongest rebel army in Northeast India. They have six, seven thousand guerrillas. Then there is a problem. I don't see that happening immediately. And I'm fairly sure that, you know, some workable solution with the NSCN will be worked out. Um, but 
one problem is there which is that the burmese army now will have less resource one and less incentive to work against our insurgents in the sadai region which is bordering our nagaland and arunachal that's number one your second question was about the rohingyas we have some rohingyas in india and we want to send them back it's not a big a big number it's in few thousands 40000 somebody said some of them have unhcr cards uh, and we want to send them back when kiran rijiju was the minister of state for home he actually made a statement to this effect bangladesh also wants to send them back why bangladesh wants to send them back i think i explained because though the rohingyas are muslims and this is something a lot of people in india don't understand because they think oh all muslims think like no sir a bengali muslim is different from a rohingya muslim a rohingya muslim has a tremendous amount of arab pakistani influence because all their khatibs and imams are from there their line of islam is much more hard line bengali islam is much more liberal you know you know when you can used to be the general pakistan dictator he at the peak of the agitation in dhaka university he went to dhaka university and he saw a lot of girls with bindi and he asked one chamcha are janab abhi bhi itne hindu ladkiyan so his chamcha who was a bengali told him ki sir muslim girls bengali muslim girls also put on bindi are tawa tawa ye bahut gair islami hai so a fatwa was issued he no bengali muslim girl should put on bindi you know bengalis if you finger us we will do exactly the opposite ha huh? तो उसने फतवा जारी कर दिया कि कोई बंगाली मुसलमान लड़की बिंदी नहीं लगाएगा तो अगला दिन जो लगाते नहीं थे वो भी लगा कर चले आए कि साला पाकिस्तानी हमको बोलेगा क्या करना है सो व्हाट आई एम ट्राइंग टू टेल यू इज दैट बांग्लादेश आल्सो इज अ वेरी स्ट्रॉन्ग इंसेंटिव तो हसीना मोदी जी को पहला सवाल बोलते हैं कि आप लोग कुछ कीजिए ना ये रोहिंग्या वापस भेजने के लिए बिकॉज फॉर शेख हसीना शी टेल्स द चाइनीज शी टेल्स द इंडियंस बोथ he you can put pressure on the burmese military because not aung san suu kyi is the burmese military which is stopping the repatriation they don't want to take back this rohingya muslims because they think we have driven them back we have done an ethnic solution that's how they look at it now hasina one of her major demands every time she meets modi or jay shankar is what are you doing to pressurize myanmar ab myanmar mein kitna dabav dal rahe ho so here indian interest and bangladesh interest is same that we want the rohingyas to go back but yaar aaj aapne rohingya wapas bhej diya burmese army fir se wah maar kaat karega ye fir se aa jayenge so permanent solution vijay is this a and that's why i said india must play a role not only in brokering a settlement between the military and junta but also in the panglong peace process which aung san suu kyi wants with the different ethnic minorities ki saab aap ye process mein bhi involved ho aur burmese military ke sath aap dialogue karke ye samjhao ki rohingya aapke log hai they are not bengalis don't try to push them into bangladesh because you push them into bangladesh some of them come to india us spillover effect ho jata hai ki aapke हाथ से चाय गिरा तो थोड़ा आपके पैड में गिरा थोड़ा आपके बगल वाले के पैड में भी गिर गया समझ गए ना तो वो थोड़ा सो बांग्लादेश आल्सो वांट्स टू सेंड देम व्हाई बांग्लादेश टुक देम 
बिकॉज एट दैट टाइम बांग्लादेश में इलेक्शन आने वाला था एंड वहां के जो इस्लामिस्ट पार्टीज है जमात दे वर क्रिएटिंग शेख असीदा इज नॉट टेकिंग आवर मुस्लिम ब्रदर्स इन बट चक्कर ऐसा है कि हैविंग टेकन देम टूडे हसीना वॉन्ट्स देम टू गो बिकॉज इन द अवामी लीग यू टॉक टू एनी बडी इन द अवामी लीग एंड दे विल से ही इज गोइंग वेरी हार्ड लाइन मुस्लिम दे आर नॉट लाइक आवर लिबरल बेंगोली मुस्लिम ये लोग यहां रह गए तो जमाती इस्लामी और हिफाजती इस्लाम का पावर ज्यादा हो जाएगा अवामी लीग का पावर कम हो जाएगा सो यू नो दिस रोइंग वेरी सेंसिटिव रीजन ऑफ बांग्लादेश इट्स द पोर्ट रीजन ऑफ चिटोगोंग समझ गए सो द बांग्लादेश इज वॉन्ट देम एंड स्पेशली द प्रेजेंट गवर्नमेंट अवामी लीग की भैया आपको शेल्टर दिया था अब यार अपने घर में वापस जाओ इसका सोल्यूशन क्या होगा जानते हो Burma's military and Burmese government should be pressurized to recognize Rohingyas as one of the races of Myanmar. Now, which is there are 135 registered races of Myanmar: Burmans, Kachins, Karens, Shan, blah blah blah, Rakhine. Rohingya ko usme add karna hai so that this whole myth that the Burmese have built up that they are illegal Bengalis, they have gone from East Bengal. This is not correct. They are a mixed race. टिपिकल यू नो जो सी बोर्ड में मिक्स रेसेस हो जाते अरब आया वहां शादी कर लिया पोर्टुगीज जो पायरेट्स थे वो आए वहां शादी किया हाँ बंगाली गए वहां काम करने के लिए बर्मीज आ गए काम करने के लिए लोकल सो ये लोग जो है ना और आज के तारीख में दे आर नो बडीज पीपुल इन नो मैं लैंड नो बडी मलेशिया इज ए मुस्लिम कंट्री Malaysia initially took some Rohingyas. Now you have seen the other day, thousand Rohingyas they have sent back to Myanmar. My point is that if the Myanmar people, military government, Malaysia se Rohingyas wapas lete hai, so India se or Bangladesh se kyu nahi lenge? They have to take. So there has to be a lot of pressure on the Burmese government, both military and future with civilian government, that you have to take them back. No, they have to take them back. They have to take them back. you keep them properly and you give them rights you see they have, most of them have lost citizenship because of a law brought by the burmese government in 1982 even for praying in the mosque they have to go to the local military and take permission this is too much so iske chalte aisa hai and rohingyas i'll tell you something rohingyas i'm telling you because they have been tortured because of their religion they are identity projection is on religious lines unlike the bengali muslim you enter bangladesh and try this you ask any bengali muslim hey me apni ke who are you 99% out of 100 will say i am bengali nobody will say i am muslim you know that bengali thing because that is how the nation was created the nation of bangladesh was created on the basis of bengali culture and religion and as i said before That's one reason why in the Islamic world the Bengali Muslim is a suspect. कि इनके लिए religion से ज़्यादा important अपना language अपना culture है. Tagore is more important to them than their own bloody prophet or whatever you call it. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make here is that Rohingyas ko Burma has to recognize them as their own people because they have resided in this area, and that is the permanent solution. They have to be given their normal rights, which other you know people have in myanmar there has to be a federal situation so aung san suu kyi had this in mind 
बट मिलिट्री आने से क्या होता है वेन मिलिट्री कॉल्स अ शॉर्ट ये कभी फेडरल सोल्यूशन वोल्यूशन क्योंकि मारकाट सिविल वॉर बंद हो गया तो फौज का जो जस्टिफिकेशन फॉर एक्सपेंशन इज फिनिश्ड सो मिलिट्री हैज नाउ बिकम ए पैरासाइड यू सी सो I mean, it's not an easy thing, but there has to be a lot of pressure, and India has to play a role. India cannot turn its back. Is all this Myanmar ka chakkar? We have to play a role, both in the restoration of democracy. We have to negotiate on one side between generals and one side on Sang Suu Kyi. We also have to play a subsequent role in the peace process of Myanmar, because we have a lot of experience in in. these processes in our own country you know like mizoram why not use zoram thanga and zoram thanga now is part of nda so he is on very good terms with mr modi and mr amit shah and all these people and zoram thanga is one man you have to realize ki 20 saal isne india ke upar goli chalaya aur abhi ye 10 saal india ka chief minister hai now this is a major political statement we make when we send zoram thanga as an emissary to negotiate between various ethnic groups and the burmese central government we also project our democracy abroad isav ye bhi banda pistol aur bandook leke ghumta tha abhi ye hamara chief minister hai wazir e azam hai so you know in this in this situation which i said told upon now that there is a dilemma for india there is also an opportunity every cloud is a silver lining and we have to grab this ye nahi sab देखो हम बर्मा में थे हमारे ये जो कैपिटलिस्ट जाते नहीं हो हम चाइना को गाली देते चाइनीज खुद पहुंच जाते उधर दे डोंट केयर फॉर देयर गवर्नमेंट देयर बिजनेस पीपल कम हमारे ये अंबानी अदानी लोग तब जाएंगे जब मोदी जी सेटिंग करके रहेगा व्हाई वेयर इज योर एनिमल स्पिरिट यू शुड गो बर्मा इज अ फ्यूचर यू नो सॉर्ट ऑफ रिसोर्स एरिया यू ट्राई टू गो एंड सेट अप बिजनेस देयर whoever from india like tatas have gone there they've done very well in business you know you go to china look at the neat what brilliant business they have done in it neat you read a book by my friend saibal dasgupta who is the times of india correspondent point is yaar hum opportunity jab hai nahi lenge fir hum blame karenge ki saab china ne ye kar diya wo kar diya hum wahan jao na aapke adani saab ammani saab wahan jaye let them do business there नहीं ये तब जाएंगे जब मोदी जी सेटिंग करके रहे हो भाई मोदी जी आपके यू नो पीआरओ लगते हैं क्या यू गो देयर एंड डू योर बिजनेस यार सो यू नो व्हाट आई एम ट्राइंग टू से इज एज अ पॉलिटिकल स्टेट वी हैव टू टेक दिस अपॉर्चुनिटी वी कांट यू नो लेट दिस गो एंड देन ब्लेम अदर्स कि साहब उसने ले लिया यू नो वी हैव टू बी अ प्लेयर इन म्यांमार वी कैन नॉट अफोर्ड द चाइनीज टू टेक ओवर we have to be present there in their economy we have to be present there in their political process as a democracy in this region because you talk to any burmese they look up to india for two things general mongai who is the chief of burmese army once told me you know what he said he said brother when we want guns we go to china to buy when we want salvation for our soul we come to both gaya for a burmese coming to both gaya for pilgrimage is like for a muslim to go to hajj in makkah you understand have we exploited that have we exploited we talk of buddhist diplomacy both gaya ka halat ja ke dekh lijiye it could have been india's finest international city wahan ja ke halat dekh lijiye naliyon ka halat dekh lijiye gutter ka halat dekh lijiye safai ka halat dekh lijiye we are talking of banaras 
अरे यार बोध गया को यू नो डेवलप बोध गया इंटरनेशनल सिटी सो बुद्धिस्ट डिप्लोमेसी सेकेंड थिंग द बर्मीज लुक अप टू इंडिया नॉट फॉर ओ कंट्री ऑफ बुद्धा कंट्री ऑफ बुद्धा ऐसा सेकेंड थिंग इवन द जनरल्स बुद्धा के सामने सब यार झुक जाते हैं second thing what they look up to india is democracy it's not the west indian democracy is their model and even big experts like bertil lindner have said that the burmese will do well to follow india rather than you know america or britain so they are our role models we have to be present there ab jab wo hamare taraf dekhte hain ghoomte hain ki sab aa aake kuch karo hum nahi jayenge sab hum baithe hue hum baithe hue hum yahan chunav khelenge aur kuch nahi karenge then you can't say ki china ne advantage le liya america ne le liya wo aa jayenge there is nothing called vacuum in politics boss if you don't take the advantage somebody else will come 